Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Nope, not Todd Friel. I am Jimmy Hicks, which means it's Witness Wednesday. Todd's on the campus at Kennesaw State University today. And you know what? I'm not going to do what I usually do. Not going to do a whole lot of talking. It's something new I'm trying, I guess. Nope, we're going to go right out to the campus now and check in with Todd. There are two kinds of brats. I'm a brat. And Julie is a brat, aren't you? Yes. But not not like a snotty-nosed kid. You're an army brat. Yep, military brat. Military brat. So that's the that's the name that's given to you. I'm guessing you don't like that term. Um, I don't really mind. I Where did it come from anyway. Why did you get that name? I'm gonna be honest. I really do not know. I just remember when I. Because I was born in Germany and then my mom married my dad and I had to move to the States for the first time. And people would call me that. And I kind of never really understood, like, why? why? Yeah. (laughs) So I never really understood why that was a thing. But you are. I'm a brat also. Not military. Just I was a first class brat. Question for you, Julia. The afterlife. Do you believe there is one? And if so, what is it? And if not, why not? I kind of feel like we have to go somewhere after we die because I just feel like I just don't think we just die and then there's like nothing else left because I feel like if you had like a purpose that you were supposed to serve I feel like you're still kind of like maybe like you know reincarnation I kind of been like maybe that's a thing but I don't know I just feel like I don't know exactly where you would go but I feel like you're somewhere you don't just like die like maybe you're just still kind of like like my grandmother, she passed away, but I still kind of always feel like she's there with me, whether I see like butterflies or something. So I feel like she's just kind of still like there with me when I need her. So I just kind of maybe like an animal form or just something in that nature. Help me to understand with reincarnation, how the determination gets made and who makes the determination what you're going to come back as. Well, I've heard some people when they share their stories of like, family members have passed they'd be like oh like just know I'll be with you on your special day or something I'll be like if you see this like some parents have said like oh like you'll see me as like a bird or a butterfly or a ladybug or something so I feel like kind of if they were to tell you that you kind of just assume like oh if I see this around me that's them but I kind of feel like they've always made like butterflies very symbolic just kind of like when I would like read about it and see about it and I remember like the day that my sister was born I actually saw a butterfly And so I kind of felt like maybe that could also be like the beginning of a new life as well. So I just kind of feel like we just kind of learn about these things from what we see on social media, people talking about it, different religions. But who decides if you become a chicken or a duck or a cat or a dog? How does the process, so you die, you get reincarnated. Is there any time between the time you die and that you come back to the earth? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like maybe if you, well, because like I believe in like heaven and hell and I feel like maybe if you had a purpose still, I mean, maybe you get to choose what you want to come back as. Um, But I feel like if you kind of already did your part, you get to like find peace. I feel like, um, 
But that's a good question. I don't know if you really get to choose. Maybe if that's something that they want to come back as, maybe their favorite thing, something they really loved. So, so who decides who's going to become what? I know the world's a strange place. <laughs> do you believe, you mentioned heaven and hell. Do you believe in God? Yes. So I feel like maybe he has something to do with that. I mean, hey, we're all in the world today. I feel like we had to all come from somewhere. And I feel like maybe he's the one that gets to choose those kind of things for us. I've kind of come to that conclusion, too, that if we have this organized universe, there's got to be somebody who invented it, built it, and runs it. The question is, who is that God? So that's my question for you. You say you believe in God. Who is it? I just feel like we don't really know. You know, like everyone kind of makes their own image of it as they can in their head. You know, the kind of thing like, oh, this is what I think he looks like. This is what I think he's like. But I think we will never really know unless you get to die and go to heaven. So we can kind of just think about our own versions of. So if there's a heaven, do you think there's a hell? I think so. Only because there's some really bad people in the world. Um, and so it's like, why would they get to deserve to be in a happy place? Because some people are just, they're just bad people, you know, but I think everybody deserves redemption, like depending on the circumstance. Some people are just bad. <laughs> I remember when I was, when I was a kid, I loved the idea of reincarnation. Because it was sort of like the second chance program. Because if I biff it, well, there's next time. And it kind of made me feel a little bit better. But for some reason, I started to get to be afraid to die. Because there was something inside of me that went, you know, I don't think it's going to go well for me there. And that my, my conscience just really haunted me. So the sense of going to heaven or hell, I think it's kind of built into us. The question I would ask you is... How bad do you have to be to go to hell and how good do you have to be to go to heaven? Well, I feel like we're all never really good enough because we sin every single day. Nobody is perfect except for, you know, like God. And so it's like, I feel like it's, I mean, I guess that's kind of a hard thing because we all do bad things, you know. But I feel like if you're someone that just like gets born and just decides they just want to like kill people, I feel like that's just like, why would you want to take somebody else's life, you know, and then you still get to be on the earth living your life like those people that just don't get caught and i just feel like if you're just just a very judgmental and hating person that just likes to bring other people down but obviously you can get better you know you can help these people see maybe a better light because some people just might have grown up in just a very like judgmental household but i feel like the really bad would just be i think if you were just to take like take someone's life multiple people's lives i just feel like that's kind of like the worst thing that you could probably do so heaven or hell is kind of a scale system. You got the good, the bad, and if it tips toward good, you're good to go. Would that be a summary of what you think? Yeah, that's kind of, because I mean, I've also heard people say like, oh, just because you're nice doesn't mean you'll go to heaven, which that's also pretty scary for me too, because I think I'm like, oh, like what if I'm not good enough? But I also feel like I'm not bad enough to go to hell. So like, I feel like that's kind of like a lot of people who are religious, they kind of think about these things, maybe like, am I even good enough? But I'm also not bad enough. So you're kind of like stuck in the middle. Like, what do I need to do to be able to go to heaven? But like, you're not as bad as like those people who murder people or kill animals or who do like you know kidnap children and sex trafficking and things like that you know so it's kind of a it's a weird thing i think that's a great question what do we need to do to get there because i want to go there and i suspect you do too correct yes <laughs> right. so what if 
we made up our own rules on this earth and there was a justice system and we behaved any way that we wanted to thinking, I think this makes me good enough. Whose opinion in court is going to matter, the authority or the civilian? Well, I think the authority, because they're kind of they're in charge of what we do. I feel like, yeah, you can just kind of do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, it's whoever's on top kind of gets to make the rules. And that's what it's like here down here, too. I mean, you do bad things, you're going to get in trouble and you'll go to jail if you do things that are illegal and you'll get you'll have to go to court if you do illegal things. If you're doing good things, then you don't have to. But, yeah, there's people down here that make the rules for what's illegal, what's allowed, what certain things that can only be done at a certain age and you know, we have all these rules and why certain things are illegal in certain states and things like that. So I feel like it'd be the same thing. You, somebody at the top needs to be in charge. So let's do an exercise and see how you and I would do if God is the one who determines if we go to heaven or hell. Ready for this? Let's use the Ten Commandments as a standard. God's laws of morality, right and wrong. Have you kept the Ten Commandments because I know I haven't. Have you ever told lies? Mm -hmm. How many? More than I can count. I know a lot of them could be like just like little fibs, you know, but yeah. Have you ever stolen anything? I have not stolen anything. Really? Like internet, a movie, a download that didn't belong to you, a pencil, coins from your parents' pockets? <laughs> maybe a pencil. Okay, I wasn't thinking. Yeah, maybe like, oh, I found a pencil i'm gonna use it i mean i guess maybe like in elementary school but now i'm kind of like very like oh, it's not mine i don't want to touch it because <laughs> you know covid um ah. but yeah i guess there's like i was thinking of like stealing like you know going to a store and like stealing something like i've never done anything like that but you know maybe if you found something i think more as a child as children you know we find things and we're like oh and then we take it and we don't ask whose it is but as i've gotten older obviously i have more knowledge of that to not just kind of take something that's not yours have you always honored and obeyed your parents? Not always. It's it's hard, you know, you kind of butt heads as you get older. and Especially then. So you want to teach first and second graders? You're not going to get a lot of lift from them. So that's a wise choice. Yes. <laughs> exactly why I was like, um, people my age, they're going to have a mouth. Okay, let's talk about your attitude toward God. Have you always loved him? with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? I feel like as a child, I really did just because my parents, I always went to church a lot, but then when we like were moving around so much, I never really got to be in a stable place to be like, oh, this is where I'm going to be at for a long time. Because there's some people who've grown up in places and just kind of stayed at the same church for the rest of their lives, basically. And me, I feel like I kind of like fell out of that because my parents kind of were the ones that put me into the church. And then we kind of never really went back, but I still like believe, you know, and it's something I definitely want to do again to be able to go back and kind of find that like love again, because it was very strong as a child. Like I used to always talk about him and I loved it. I shared it with my friends. Like my favorite thing ever was going to Sunday school. Like it was what I looked forward to every single week. Well, this like seems like a pretty like good place to like stop and like take a break and like play some commercials okay i'm teasing i'm teasing but hang tight stick around we'll be back with more from jalea the army brat next this is wretched radio 
the war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebomb. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasound, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals? Are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also, just as easily, text the word wretched to the number 44321. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people for small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine, continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs where they can and because of the war providing resources providing food and shelter and prayer and of course the gospel to people who are in need if you have never considered supporting tomorrow clubs this might be the right time you are needed in ukraine tomorrow clubs will do the work they will take care of the distribution they just need the resources would you please consider providing them tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched books of the bible First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And welcome back to Wretched Radio. It's a Witness Wednesday. Just a moment ago when we took a break, Todd was talking with Jalea, who we learned is a future teacher. She is an army brat and she believes in reincarnation. 
She also shared her views on heaven and hell and quite a bit else, actually. And Todd was in the middle of sharing the Ten Commandments with her when we took the break. And we will continue with that now. It's Todd and Jalea. It's a Witness Wednesday. It's Wretched Radio. We just opened up the Ten Commandments to discover you and I haven't kept them. So if God is just and he gives us what we deserve for breaking his laws, do you think that he should let us into heaven to be with him? Or should he send us to hell as the wage that we have earned for our wrongdoing? Where do you think he would determine you're going to go? Well, since I have disobeyed the Ten Commandments, I mean, it would only be fair to deem me to hell. But then you got to think that nobody has, like, not broken one of those rules. I, I totally so, agree with yeah, that. So it's kind of like, it's like, oh, like, like what I was saying earlier, like, I don't think I'm bad enough to go to hell because I feel like those are kind of little, like, smaller things, but they can also be big things. Have you murdered anybody? Oh, absolutely not. I would. Have, have, have you ever... <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Have you ever just been angry at somebody driving, somebody who annoyed you? Yes, probably every day. Because <laughs> Jesus said, you've heard it said, thou shall not commit murder. But I say, if you get angry at somebody unjustly, you're in danger of judgment. He sees it as murder of the heart. It's not as bad as killing somebody, but it's the same attitude. I don't want this person alive. I do not love this person. I'm angry at this person. Jesus also said, you've heard it said of all, thou shall not commit adultery. But I say, if you look with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. So what we're getting from that is God's standard is a little bit different than ours. We tend to look at really bad people and judge ourselves based on them. That's a big mistake because I can't say to the judge, look, I know I've been speeding like 52 times, but that guy is a drunk driver. The judge is going to go, you're missing the point. You've broken the laws. And if God's standard is higher than ours, then our rap sheet would be pretty extensive. He'd be inclined, I believe, to say you're guilty off with you. Now, the question that I have for you, because you said you went to Sunday school, what has God done so that you don't have to go to hell and you can absolutely, positively be on the shadow of a doubt, go to heaven. Um, I remember they, like, I was saved. I remember that was a thing. It was a long, long time ago. I don't really remember how that process went, but I did get baptized. I remember I was baptized when I was first was born. And then when I was maybe about nine, 10, I was baptized again. I remember that. So I remember them telling me like, oh, like if you're saved, you're kind of asking for that forgiveness. And then when you get baptized, um, that's kind of what they told me <laughs> from what I can remember from that was so long ago. But help me understand what that does as far as your court case goes with God. What has God done specifically so that guilty criminals can be released? I think because he he forgives us, you know, he opens up his heart to us. And so like those people that decide they want to go to church, they want to listen to his words. And I feel like it's just like very powerful because I'm Catholic, but like it's like Christian stuff. We're supposed to be able to open up our, you know, we want to open up our arms. We want to let people in. We want to share his words with everyone so that they can learn and grow and be able to, you know, be saved and go to heaven. Cause I've seen like even adults who might've not even believed in God their whole life. And then they go to church and then 
they would get baptized. And I know like they're like a completely different person. Imagine this scenario. You're in a courtroom and you've broken a bunch of laws. There's tape on it. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt you are guilty. And the judge is going to sentence you and he's going to give you a fine. And let's say that fine is a million dollars. Don't want to presume anything, but I'm just guessing you wouldn't be able to pay it. Oh, yeah. No, neither, neither would I. Okay, so you've got this debt. But what if somebody then enters the courtroom and says, Judge, I love this young lady. I'm going to pay the fine that she owes so that she can be set free. And this person gives the judge a million dollars. Justice has been satisfied and you can be released because somebody has paid your fine. Think carefully back to Sunday school. Who, according to the Bible, has paid your fine? Well, at least from what they told me, they kind of said, like, God, like, he's the one that will do that. There's a name of somebody who pays the debt of guilty criminals. Who is it? Who pays the debt of... Like, are we talking back in terms of here on earth? Uh, Yeah, on, on this earth. What did God do to demonstrate his mercy and his grace and his loving kindness and his desire to forgive sinners. See, there's some tension that exists. If God is just, he has to punish lawbreakers. Got to do it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be, he'd be a corrupt judge. But he's merciful. But if he just forgives people without a payment, then he's unjust again. So God is both just and merciful. The name that I was fishing for is Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, um, because I was like, on here? I was like, mm, I don't know. But yeah, I was thinking Jesus, yes. That's called the gospel, that Jesus Christ is God, took on human flesh, never broke the laws, always obeyed his parents, always did what was right, never lied, never stole, never lusted, was only righteous. And he died on a cross, which is a nasty way to die. The Bible says that God was actually pouring out his wrath on his own beloved son as a payment for those who would believe in his son so that guilty criminals can be forgiven, but justice can be satisfied because God's son satisfies justice by dying for sinners. That's the gospel. And the promise of that is you can know you're going to heaven not based on what you do that's good, but because Jesus is good and he died for you, he pays your debt, he gives you his righteousness, and you can be assured of everlasting life. Jesus said, unless a person is born again, he or she will not enter the kingdom of God. Question, have you been born again? I do not think so. I think I'm this is my first time being born. I honestly wouldn't want to like come back again. I'm not talking about reincarnation. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth because you can't be reborn. You're right. You can't. That would be kind of weird. But we're talking about the spiritual rebirth. I think what he was getting at is that you come to him recognizing you're a guilty criminal and asking him for forgiveness, which he promises to give. And he forgives us, and then we start living for him, and we stop living for ourselves. That's what it means to be born again. It's a pretty radical life event. And Jesus made it clear, if that hasn't happened, you won't inherit eternal life. The question, of course, is, is what he said true? I guess we will never really know, honestly, because unless you die and go to heaven, but it's not like we actually know who does go. 
or who doesn't, you know. I've had many people in my life pass away, but I never truly know where are they at. So I feel like we never really know unless we're the ones going and we're in that position. So let me leave you with a thought that you can ponder today on this bench on this glorious day. You don't want to go to hell. I know it. (laughs) And neither do I. But the offer of the gospel isn't just believe in Jesus and you get out of hell. That happens, but that's not the point. The point is that you see somebody who gave their life on your behalf and it's God in the flesh. If he's that good, that's the one that I want. I want to follow him. I want to live for him because he is that magnanimous. He's that gracious. He's that loving. And you turn from your sins. You put your trust in him, not just because you're afraid of hell, but because now you want to be with the one who died to save you from hell. It's the goodness of God that should lead you to repentance. So if you want to go to heaven, the Bible says you've got one way through Jesus. Otherwise, he's going to say, depart from me, you lawbreaker. I never knew you. But today is the day of salvation. And he says, if you will come unto him, he will not cast you out. You will not be any less forgiven than anybody else. And God will see you with the same love that he has for his son because you're going to be in Christ. So my encouragement to you would be, think about these things today. Because Jesus said, what does it profit a man or woman if they gain the whole world, but they lose their soul? So would you at least think about this today? thinking, do I want to put my trust in the God who died for me? And if you do, he promises, come unto me and I'll grant you everlasting life. That's the offer that God has for you today. So I hope you'll at least think about it. Yes, definitely. I will. Thank you. You know, I do realize that I tend to encourage you to pray for everyone Todd speaks with. Well, it's truer now more than ever. Jalea, a pleasant young lady with a very inconsistent and changing worldview. And what I'm praying for is that she will encounter more and more people who will share truth with her. So many young people are living just like this, just making it up as they go along. But we aren't done just yet. Not even close. Hang tight. Stay tuned. Quick break. And we'll be back with more from Kennesaw State University. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The U.S. Department of State recently released the 2021 report on international religious freedom. The report identifies various governments and societies that continue violations against religious freedom. And I find this rather amusing. A department of the same U.S. government that is working tirelessly to end any Christian religious freedom in America, they're still spending money on creating reports on other countries who do the same thing they are. I wonder if they listed themselves in the report. That's an honest question. It's not a big secret that the Episcopalian Church fell away from anything that remotely resembles orthodoxy long ago. They continue their pursuit to unite with society, celebrating evil and hating good at every possible turn. And hating good is exactly what they did late last week when the church adopted a new resolution condemning and denouncing the work of crisis pregnancy centers and apologize for their past work to support them. Evil, dark, demonic, fallen, however you want to describe this, the evidence that the Episcopalian Church is not an actual church is pretty clear. And speaking of the Episcopalians, the church they broke away from, the Church of England, has a little inner controversy going on at the moment. During the recent General Synod, a lay member asked for the Church of England's definition of a woman. And well, the response that came back wasn't received too well by most people. Dr. Robert Ennis, a senior bishop, said that there was once a self-evident definition, though today the answer isn't so simple. 
Yes, yes it is. If you were born a female, you're a female. If you were born a male, you're a male. And it took like four seconds. Simple enough, huh? Four Christians have been arrested in Sudan, but arrested under a law against apostasy that was repealed two years ago. An apostasy until 2020 was a crime punishable by death in Sudan, but that law was repealed, though many other laws on the books are still based on Islamic law. And while the men are scheduled to appear in court next week, the outlook? Not very positive. Prayers are most certainly needed for these Christian men. And speaking of persecuted Christian converts, a Christian man who's been leading other Muslims to Christ was murdered in eastern Uganda earlier this month. The 47-year-old was slain with a sword. Yeah, he was really murdered with a sword at a swamp by three Muslim men who were extremely upset because the man had been leading many people to Christ. He leaves behind a wife and five children. There's likely right now at this point this year more persecution in Uganda than there is anywhere else in the world. I could be wrong, but we have seen a tremendous increase in the number of Christians persecuted for their faith in Uganda this year. And as we tell you all the time, please, please make sure that you are taking the time to fervently and continuously pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Revelation. How can anyone know God unless he reveals himself? If God did not speak, religion would be nothing more than man's best guess. But God has revealed himself in creation, in the Bible, and in the person of Jesus Christ. We can know God, and we can be brought into right standing with him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks at the studio today, which of course means Todd is roaming around Kennesaw State University, and we're going to get back out there now and see just who he's convinced to sit down and chat with him. No, we're not social distancing. We're just at an awkward bench. This is Evan. You're studying business, correct, sir? You did study business. You're done. Yes, I graduated back in December. Congrats. That's a big deal. And you're actually making a living taking pictures of people. Yes, I am. I'm a photographer, yes. All right, I want to ask you a series of questions. Life, death, the afterlife. What is the purpose of our existence in this life? The purpose of our existence in this life is to serve the Lord and praise him for letting us to live in this world he created. What happens to people when they die? It depends. Some people who don't accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they'll go somewhere and the people who do will go another place. And what's that other place? In my religion, we call it the kingdom. In other faiths and things, they can call it something else. And what about the people you said who don't accept Jesus? I think you said they go to another place. What's that place? If they don't repent for their sins and accept Lord as their Savior in Christ, they'll end up going to hell. Explain that to me, because that sounds harsh to most people's ears. It is harsh, but also sin is harsh. And all sins are created equal. So if you lie or kill someone, they're still the same in the eyes of the Lord. Evil in the world. What's your explanation for that? Lost souls. And they lost their way. I'm not sure their journey, but they lost their way and they let the devil control their actions. Let's talk about the life issue. Babies inside of a mother's stomach. What do you think those are? I think those are babies because if they have a heartbeat, they're, they're alive. But as far as what they are, they're humans. They're just not out yet. 
do you think that aborting the baby would be considered in your language a sin? Hmm. I'm not sure. Do you think it is a good thing to do or a bad thing to do for the baby that's in the womb? The baby didn't ask to get it done. But then again, the mother also has a choice as well. But I can only speak on like me and my family, what we would do. I don't want to give opinions on another stranger I don't even know. May I ask you, Evan, would you withhold that kind of judgment regarding other issues? So pick something really bad in the world, molesting, some beating up a child. Would you ever say, you know, I personally, my family wouldn't do it, but I don't want to judge other people. Would you do that with beating up children? No, beating up children is wrong. Yeah. So the question then is, what is inside of the mother's womb and is it wrong to put an end to that life. Mm, I feel like personally, it would be black and white for my family in our situations because not everyone has a great situation to be born into. Let me share this idea with you and you tell me what you think. Would you ever apply that logic to a two-year-old? The two-year-old is living in a difficult situation. Therefore, it's okay. It's justifiable to end the life of the toddler. Would you make that judgment? No, I wouldn't make that judgment because the kid's already alive, living, running around. All right. So that raises an interesting question. What determines or who determines what this is and what, it, what is inside of a woman? I guess the doctors will determine if she's pregnant or not. But if she is pregnant, that would be a baby. It's alive because it's growing and dead things don't grow. So could I use the justification of being born into a bad situation with that life when I wouldn't do it with a two-year-old life? Well, with a two-year-old life, I'm not sure what the adoption rules and regulations are, but I guess if you're really in a bad situation, you could put the two-year-old up for adoption or send it to live with another family member if it gets that bad. Okay. So, Evan, if I could, what I think you just said is it's the location of the toddler. It's outside of the womb versus a baby or a fetus inside of the womb. Is that the distinction you're making? Well, baby is still a baby at the point of conception. So it's still going to be a baby. So then wouldn't, if we were going to be consistent, we say if that baby's going to be born into a difficult situation, that child could be adopted or that child could go to live with family as opposed to ending the life of the child. Um, I guess so. But I feel like you don't always know how the situation is going to play out. Like you might have a wonderful pregnancy the whole time and then life just comes crashing down when the kid's like five. And then they might have to go live with somebody else. So you don't really know how the, how the future is going to play out. Well, the same thing would be true for a baby in the womb. Let me ask you, let me ask you another subject. I don't know if you've noticed there's a difference between the two of us. Do you know what it is? Yes, you're older. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I am older. Thanks for pointing that out. But we happen to have different levels of melanin, correct? Yes, correct. Okay, so you're a, you're a black man. I'm a white man. Why is there so much racism in the world? That's a tough question. I don't know. I guess I guess people don't appreciate each other's differences. That could be it. I don't have all the answers. What do you think the solution to racism is? The solution is to not put a blanket on everything, but just to educate and appreciate different different type of people so that way like yeah they're different but that doesn't make them better or worse it's just different you told me about this wristband here yeah. right your goblin yeah. which is your football wristband yeah. and then what is the what's the other one say uh, success for our sons and you got that from my church 
So you're a Christian. Yes. So if I sat down on this bench and said, young man, because we've established I'm older, tell me about Christianity and why I should consider becoming one. What would you say to me? I mean, you can look around. You got kids playing, sunshine and me, you having a good conversation. It's just a blessing to be here, you know? Like, not everyone gets to be in a situation like this, be able to talk, have cameras, have a crew. It's just life is just so beautiful, and we're blessed to have it because not everyone has an opportunity like this. I agree with that, but that hasn't persuaded me to become a Christian. Why should I consider the claims of your faith? Um, Because Jesus died upon the cross to take our sins in exchange for us we all fall short so he fills in that gap for us and if you accept that then you're a christian and if i don't then you're not a christian the insinuation is that i'm a sinner is that what you're saying yes we're all sinners and because of that god should not let us into his you called it kingdom correct yes correct all right so if i want to be forgiven And if I want to go to the good place and not the bad place, do I sign a card? Do I go online? What do I do to become a Christian? You have to repent and pray for the Lord to put a clean heart in you. I agree with you, actually. Could I go back to the the baby issue, the life issue for a second? Let me just lay this on you and you see if you track with this. All right. There are typically four arguments that people make to justify abortion. Okay. They will say that it's small. Okay, it's a life, but it isn't it isn't fully, you know, it's just tiny. So therefore, it's okay to end that life. But that's that's a size argument. I'm taller than you. I'm older and taller, but I wouldn't use my height to justify taking your life. So size doesn't justify the taking of a life because we know that's a life because dead things don't grow. Only living things do. Other people would say that it's the level of development. They're, you know, they look like a zygote almost. They don't look like a person. But does level of development allow us to take the life of, let's just say, a two-year-old who isn't as developed as you and I are? We would never think about taking their life just because they aren't as developed. The third argument that people would use is environment, that it's inside of the womb as opposed to out here. You kind of alluded to that a little bit, but that would be... Defining or deciding who gets to live or die based on their location, where they're where they're located. I can't be nice to you here, but kill you over there because it doesn't matter where you are. It's either right or wrong. And then finally, they would say the degree of dependence that that baby relies on the mother to live. Therefore, a woman can be justified in taking the life of her baby. But once again, you wouldn't say that about a two-year-old because a two-year-old depends on mom. They can't live without somebody taking care of them. So we would never use that argument to justify the taking of a life of a two-year-old. Therefore, we shouldn't use that to justify taking the life of a smaller baby in the womb in a different zip code. So those are typically the four arguments which should lead us to the conclusion that there is no justification for taking the life of a baby in a womb. And I'd even go a step further and say we should be willing to say that to people because even though their circumstances might be really hard, we wouldn't say that to a rapist. Well, your circumstances are pretty hard. I understand why you would do. You go. I, w- I don't want to impose my values on you. You'd go. No, that's that's slavery. You would never say. Well, I don't want to impose my value. You'd go. No, 
That's wrong. Fair enough. So those are the those are the four arguments for the life issue. Were there any holes in that argument that you can think of that I just made for you? I mean, I feel like it still depends on case by case. I don't if I see a pregnant lady walking, I'm not going to walk up to her like, you better have that baby. I, well, I wasn't saying that. Yeah. So it all depends, I guess. I can only speak for um the situation I'm currently in. I can't speak for other people's right. situation. Yeah. So I didn't persuade you that just because somebody's circumstances are difficult, that doesn't give you the right to take the life of the child. Yes, correct. Bummer. Bummer indeed. You know, I'm not certain about this. I could totally be wrong, but I kind of felt like Evan did understand the inconsistency of his arguments. It could be that somebody close to him has had an abortion and Evan's worldview has kind of formed around his being supportive of that person. Look, again, I may be wrong because I am assuming, but I'm only assuming because you see that so much with young people these days. Anywho, we are not done with Evan just yet. Nope, more from their conversation next Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things things and more. The Wretched Newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched Newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched Newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, Affordable Biblical Health Sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% 
of the members of MediShare, give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in Scripture is an epistle. Epistles are letters written to the church at large or to a specific church which contain doctrine, theological arguments, and practical application. God uses first century correspondence to deliver His timeless truth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Okay, we are back with more from Kennesaw State University. And when we last left Todd, he was speaking with Evan, who says he is a Christian, but he's also pro-choice. And Todd wasn't able to convince him on the life issue, but they will continue their conversation now. It's a Witness Wednesday on Wretched Radio. The solution to racism. I actually think I know what it is. Can I share it with you? The difference between the two of us, besides some personality traits, some body differences we're both human beings correct yeah correct so there's there's not multiple races there's different ethnic groups but we're just one human race when you look back on history evan can you think of a time when black people and white people and yellow people and red people all got along perfectly i don't remember a time where it's been absolutely peaceful i don't either and we've made a lot of efforts to get people to be kind to one another and not judge based on the level of melanin that's in their body, but it hasn't worked. So I'm going to give you the Christian take on why, why there are different skin colors and what the solution is to bringing them together. Okay. When God created the world, he created two people, but then they started to procreate and have babies. Well, then we see an event called the Tower of Babel, and we see that God separates people. And from that separation, we basically see slightly different shades of melanin in different people groups. And throughout the centuries, we've never seen those people groups get along. But if you scoot forward to the book of Revelation, chapter 7, we see a scene. Jesus Christ is on his throne and gathered around his throne. It describes people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. So that means every skin color, rich, poor, slave free. They're all gathered there, loving one another and loving the Savior because they're in Christ. They all have a loving relationship, not based on personality traits or skin color, but because they're in Christ. And Jesus demonstrates that despite the efforts of Martin Luther King or Malcolm X or civil law legislation, he's the only one who can bring all of the different skin colors together in harmony. So different skin colors exist so that ultimately Jesus can be seen as amazing for doing what human beings couldn't accomplish. That's my take. Okay, that's a good take. But I feel like as far as like personal relationships, I feel like things are getting better, but there's still some systems in place that aren't perfect. I'm afraid it's always gonna be with us because you, you mentioned all the evil and all of the sin. It shouldn't be happening, but it is happening. May I, you said something about systems. What systems do you think are currently set up to promote racism? To promote racism? I'm not sure about promote, but there probably, there are systems in place to have racism. And it's not like they promote it, but they don't really speak on it. Give me an example of that. Earlier when I was driving over here, I was on the highway and then I see a cop in my rearview mirror 
cops are supposed to be safe and everything like that. But I just have a gut feeling that I need to get out of the way so I can get out of this field of view as quickly as possible. Because I don't want the chance to get pulled over. Neither do I. How does that feeling prove that the police system is racist? Because I shouldn't be, I shouldn't feel that I, I'm more scared of police than just walking down a street full of strangers. And I shouldn't feel that way. It's also because all the stuff we see that they do, they've done in the past, but now we're catching them on camera. And then just like, and you keep seeing it over and over and over again. So it kind of really doesn't help you try to think differently because if it, that's the majority of the time you're, what you're seeing. All right. So you would say that the the police system is racist. I'll say some police officers are racist. I don't say the whole system because I take pictures a lot. So I see a lot of different things. And I was in Atlanta and I saw a homeless man get hit by a car right in front of me, probably about five to 10 feet right in front of my face. And then the car just drove off. We called the police and those police came, talked to the man. He was, he's doing good. And those police are good, but that's the first time I see it, but you don't always see videos of police doing good so it's really it's really up and down dude thanks for your time today i appreciate it thanks for giving me this much time all right all right enjoy your shoot today all right evan thank you you know that conversation was interesting evan was an interesting kid i feel like he would make a truth claim and then todd would counter and he would agree with him but then wind up talking himself right back into his original position he says he's a believer and if that's the case I pray he finds someone to disciple him because I believe if he is a believer, that's what's missing. And we still have some time left in the show. That's not typically the case. Todd's mic is still on, I see. So let's send it back out to the campus. Bill, got some questions for you about the world. We see lots of bad stuff, right? Yeah. And yet, I'm looking around, kind of a beautiful planet that we live on. We see nice things, correct? Yes. So we see both good and evil. Bill, what's your explanation for those two things coexisting on our planet? Just the way people are. Everybody has their own goals. Some people's goals contradict other people's. Something that benefits one person is harmful towards another. Do you think there's something called guilt, like a a guilty feeling? Do you ever have a guilty feeling about things that you've done? Uh, Yes, sometimes I have. What about the emotion of shame? Do you ever experience that? Sometimes. Do you ever think about death and go, yikes, that would not be a good thing, that you fear death? I fear sometimes how I'll die, but I'm thinking about death itself, kind of don't want to die. All right. So tell me, Bill, those things like guilt and shame and fear and good and evil. How do you explain all of those things that we experience on the planet? Do you have a worldview that kind of makes sense of those things? Not really. I think a lot of it just has to do with subconscious things. I'm not that well versed on it. It's just. Are you a religious person? Not really. I'm going to go kind of quick because I know you got to scoot to class. Here's my thought experiment for you. If God existed and he had an explanation for why there is good, why there is evil, if he could take care of your guilt problem, if he were willing to deal with your shame issue and help you with your fear of death, if that God existed, 
Bill, would you be interested in knowing that God, not just learning about him, but actually knowing and being in a relationship with that God? Would that be of interest to you? So he'd be kind of like a counselor? Well, he would be a God who would forgive your sins, who would remove your guilt and shame, who would promise you everlasting life when you die so you don't have to fear what's going to happen to you beyond the grave. And he could make sense of the world as we observe it. He could help you understand why things are the way that they are. So he would be your God. If that God existed, would you be willing to enter into a relationship with that God? So he'll help me understand how the world works and help me deal with all the shame and stuff. Well, he'd do more than help you deal with it. He'd actually remove the shame. He'd take away your guilt. He'd take away your fear of death. I feel like that would open the door for people to be more bold with anything that they want to do, really. So, probably. Yeah, but you say something interesting. It might allow people to, like, go ahead and do bad things if, hey, they don't have to worry about yeah. fear or guilt or shame. They do. That could be true. But if they understood that that God was so kind to take care of those issues for them, they would they not desire to do wrong things because God has been too good to them. So here's then the question. That God that I just described, who could take away your guilt, your shame, your fear, explain good and evil. The question then becomes, does that God exist? Is that God accessible to me? That would be the question. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I suppose. Right. So now I'm going to now I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a thesis statement and then you tell me if you accept it or reject it. I believe that God does exist and I believe that God is revealed in the Bible. And I believe that there's good and evil because God created a perfect planet. But we human beings, we sin. We don't do what's right. So the reason the evil exists is because we brought it upon ourselves. But we still see beauty because God made this place beautiful. Mm. So we see both good and evil. We feel guilty because we are guilty. This God is holy and we've broken his laws and he's given us a conscience, a little courtroom in our brain that tells us lying is wrong. Stealing is bad. Lusting is shameful. Dishonoring my parents is not right. He's given you a conscience to know that you've done wrong. You've actually committed crimes against him. But to forgive you of your sins, to remove that shame, he can't just erase those things because an unjust judge can't just throw the court case out of a guilty criminal. Somebody's got to pay the fine. So the Bible teaches God sent his son to take on human flesh, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross. God was pouring out his wrath on his son on Bill's behalf so that Bill could be forgiven because of what Jesus did on his behalf. His guilt could be removed. His shame could be erased. His fear of death could be overcome because you no longer have to fear death because God promises when you die, you can have everlasting life because of what his son did. My thesis statement is the true and only living God is Jesus Christ, and he offers you all of those things today. Question, Bill, what would keep you from wanting to be in a relationship with that God? Honestly, just the paranoia that all this seems a bit too good to be true, really. Okay, so Bill certainly is in need of a lot of prayer, a whole lot of skepticism, which is typical of college students, but we should definitely be in prayer for that young man. And that's going to wrap up another Witness Wednesday. More from the campus next week. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.